Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name. For the Lord is good and His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Well, Westover, it's good to see you once again. I bring you greetings from Pastor Jim. He's actually out of town at a national conference for the Assemblies of God. Keep him in your prayers as he goes off and represents us and the body of faith at that meeting. He sends his greetings and he says, God bless you to each one of you. But today I have the great privilege of continuing and actually wrapping up our series entitled Expressions of the Heart, where we explore what worship truly is. And I just want you to prepare your heart right now for what God can and will do in your life through this moment and through this experience. For you see, at the end of our service, we're gonna have a moment where we gather together as believers in Jesus Christ to once again lift up the name of Jesus. And I just invite you to prepare your heart right now for what God can and what he wants to do and what he will do in that moment. For you see, God wants us to express worship from our heart. I believe that God cares more about the worship of our life than the worship from our lips. He cares about how we live out worship unto him. And I wanna reassure you that we can worship God whether we're going to sleep or waking up in the morning, whether we're by ourselves or we're with a bunch of people, whether we are with our kids or we're on vacation, we can worship God. In fact, the word of God says, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. And I just believe that all of us, we have breath today and we can thank Jesus for the fact that he woke, up, woke us up today. I don't know about you, but I'm excited to be in the house of God today. And I hope you are excited as well because God is here to meet with us. There's moments in time though, when we fail to realize that God's presence is in our midst. And my prayer today is that you won't just know cognitively that God is present, but that you'll know experientially that God is present, that he is for you, that he is with you, that he is behind you, that he's in front of you, that he's beside you, and that he's within you. And I believe that if we can lift up the name of Jesus today, he's gonna see himself be fruitful and faithful in our life. I'm not satisfied with him just blessing you. I want him to bless me as well. And I believe that's all what we should want. We should want to see God's blessings in our life. And that's what worship does. Worship is not for us, it's about God. And when we worship him, what we discover is that we step into his presence, but at a certain moment, his presence enters within us. And that is the moment when worship becomes real, when it goes from something that we do for God that then God does for us. I wanna give you an example of what worship is. Worship is how we give God our very best. It's how we give our best to him. And I want you to know that you and I, we were created to worship. In fact, that's the title of today's message. You were created to worship. I want you to say it with me, but I want you to add the word I at the beginning. Replace you with I, say, 
I was created to worship. Say it again. I was created to worship. We were created by God to worship him. And worship, it's not about us. It's about God. In fact, when we gather together to worship, you are not the audience and the worship team is not the audience. God is the audience. He is an audience of one. And I want you to know that he will not share his worship with anything or anyone. So as we gather together, can I invite us to focus in on him and say, God, I'm gonna lift you up. I've discovered that when we lift up God, he lifts us up. And if you need a lift up today, just worship God. And eventually what you'll discover is that he'll lift you up with his righteous right hand. We need to step in and worship God. Let me give you a definition for what worship is. Worship is giving God the full honor he deserves. Say full honor. Worship is giving God the full honor that he deserves. There's a thought that I've been mulling over. It's this idea that God deserves the full portion of worship that he deserves. When you go to a restaurant and you buy a steak, you hope that they bring you the whole steak, not just a quarter of it. You want to get the full portion of what you paid for. I believe that God wants to get the full measure of worship and honor that he deserves. And that requires us to say, God, I'm gonna give you my very best. I'm gonna give you exactly what you need. And that is the focus for today. And so I wanna invite you to join me in Psalm 100. We're gonna look at this passage once again. We've looked at this passage already in the series, but we're gonna look once again and discover how we can give God the full honor that he deserves. Psalm 100 Verses four and five say this. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Say praise his, praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Worship is something that we should do at every moment of our life. Imagine what our life could look like if at every moment we were worshiping God. If we uh, allowed our life to be a living sacrifice of worship to him, I believe that our life would be transformative. For you see, when worship is your lifestyle, miracles become a regular occurrence. When we live a lifestyle of worship, what we do is we actually invite God's presence into the moment that we're in. Psalm 22, verse three says that he is enthroned in the praises of his people. What that means is that with our praise, we build a throne for him. And God wants to build a throne in our life and in our heart where he has rule and reign over everything. I promise you that if you give God your full surrender, he will make miracles happen in your life. He can't help but win the battles that he fights. So I wanna invite you, let's lean into God's presence and let's discover what he can do. Today, I wanna share with you a couple ways to give God the full measure of honor and worship that he deserves. Number one, give God your very best. Say it with me, give God your very best. I believe that God deserves our very best. We need to give him the full portion of worship that he is entitled to. In fact, that's what the writer of Psalms 100 is making. This is the point he's making when he says in verse four, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise, give thanks to him and praise his name. For you see back then, the place of worship was the temple and they would have to go up to the house of God. 
And because many of the Jews lived far away from the temple, whenever they got there, they came with gratitude to God. In fact, they would actually walk through some gates. And what the writer is telling them, as you come into the house of God, be willing to say thank you to to God for what he's done. So if you haven't said thank you to God for being here right now, whether you're here in the room or you're online, I want you to take a moment and just say thank you, Jesus. Say with me, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for waking me up. Thank you for being a blessing. Thank you for helping me live another day. Thank you for allowing me to have health. Thank you for allowing me to have a job. Thank you for allowing me to have purpose. We start by thanking God. And what that does is that shifts our perspective from ourselves to him. And then it says, step into his courts with praise. In fact, there was a courtyard. Once you pass the gates in the temple, you'd step out in a court, courtyard and they would begin to sing songs of joy and gratitude to God. And then it says at the second part of verse four, give thanks to him. What they would do to give thanks to him is they would raise their hands and worship to him. And then it says, give praise unto him. What that means is that they would actually kneel down and they would say, God, you're good. God, you're faithful. God, you've been kind to me. And they would kneel down in worship to him. And I believe that if it was good enough for them, it's good enough for us. We should give God our very best praise today because he deserves it. But sometimes we don't give God our very best. In fact, I wanna show you some examples of some people who are giving their very best, but it's not to God. This first example is a group of some young people at a concert. If you notice in the photo, they are recording, they're recording their favorite recording artist. They're taking pictures, they're excited, they're grateful, they're glad to be at the front row to experience that moment. In this next photo, you'll see a man and he, he's actually cheering on the USA soccer team. But I was thinking, if he didn't have paint on his face, he might be at a worship service. Now I'll tell you, if you guys come to church and you have that color paint on your face, I'll know that you are here to lift up the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I'll say, wow, that is some commitment right there. But sometimes we don't give God our very best. So here's my question. Who or what gets your very best? Is it a recording artist? Is it a sports team? Is it an influencer on social media? Who and what gets your very best? Whatever gets our very best is what we worship. It's easy to worship God when we're here together, but how do we worship him Monday through Saturday? when we're not here in the house of God. What gets our very best time, energy, and focus is what we worship. Now, there's nothing wrong with cheering and celebrating at these events, but I think it would be a great tragedy if we as believers were the first to cheer, but the last to worship. I think some of us, some of us, we give our very best somewhere else. And I think God's inviting us to give him our very best. In fact, I think this third photo illustrates how we need to approach God. This is a photo of a walk-off home run. And for those of you who are not athletically inclined or you have no interest in baseball, let me give you a very brief explanation. A walk-off home run means that in the bottom of the ninth, someone hits a home run. 
in that home run, you get the winning score. And once the person touches home base, the game is over. This is an example of a walk-off home run. And everybody in the stands are cheering this person on. Why? Because they've hit a home run. And they are the champion for that moment. And they have won the victory. Look how everybody in this photo is focused singularly on this person who is coming around third and coming home. In the same way, I think we need to worship God because he is the one that won the victory. He is the champion. He is the king. And he died on the cross to give us the victory. And I think this photo illustrates how we should cheer when the king enters the room. In fact, I want to invite us right now to cheer him because he's here right now. God, we give you praise. God, we worship you. You are the champion. You are the one who won the victory. And we worship you today. God deserves our first and our very best, not our last and our least. One writer put it this way. He said, worship is giving God the best he's given you. Whatever he's given you, you give it back to him and say, God, I'm going to give you the very best. So let me make it practical. How do we make worship practical? If you're at a game and you cheer at a four, worship at a five. If you laugh at a movie at a five, worship at a six. If you shout at a concert at a six, worship at a seven. Be willing to give God one more than what you give the world. The world didn't die on the cross for you and I. Jesus did. <clears throat> and I believe that he deserves our very best. We should give him our very best. The second way to give God our very best in worship is to boldly proclaim God's goodness to others. Boldly proclaim God's goodness to others. This is what verse five says. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. This is what the writer of Psalms is doing right now. He's telling us boldly that God's love is good and it endures forever. And we need to do the same. Why? Because people need to hear about the goodness of God. We live in a world where negative news is everywhere and we can't escape it. And actually it's good that our minds cannot ignore negative news because negative news is meant to protect us. Let me give you an example. If you eat something and it makes you sick, that's something to remember. If you deal with someone and they are toxic and unhealthy, that is something good to remember. Negative news is there to protect you. Unfortunately, we live in a world where negative news is the norm. In fact, it is everywhere and it's rampant. And the reason is, is because we live in a world where negative news is optimized to keep our attention. Whether it's the news, whether it's social media, everywhere you look, it's negative, negative, negative. Why? Because negative news is something we can't ignore. In fact, fear, worry, and anxiety is very profitable. It makes big bucks for big businesses, and that's why they keep providing it to us. It makes them richer. Our fear and our worry makes them richer, but the truth is, is that fear makes us sick. A constant diet of fear, worry, and anxiety unsettles our hearts, disturbs our minds, and it stresses our bodies. Fear makes us sick. God didn't intend for us to consume fear. We're supposed to eat something else. Have you heard that adage, you are what you eat? We are what we eat physically, but we also are what we eat spiritually. And fear Anxiety and worry is spiritual junk food for the soul. It'll poison us eventually. Someone once said, 
you can't get enough of what you don't need. I think some of us were consuming this, thinking it's gonna make our life better, but it's actually making us more sick. But the good news today is that worship is spiritual nutrition for the soul because when you worship God, you're inviting Jesus into your experience. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life and I am the living water and anyone who comes to me will hunger and thirst no more. I give life to people. I am breath in their lungs and I just believe that God intends for us to consume him. We need to consume God's word more than we do social media or the news because this is living and active and it'll change our life and if we're willing to step into him he'll give us exactly what we need I want to tell you that worship is actually good for our brains our body and our behavior this past week as I was preparing for this message I came across some researchers who talked about the neurobiological benefits of worship and I want to share them with you They found that worship decreases our sensitivity to the flight or fight or freeze response. It lowers our sensitivity to fear and anxiety and worry. It turns down the volume in our life. It also makes us nicer, more forgiving and trustful. It also decreases our heart rate, our blood pressure, uh, inflammation, our blood glucose levels. It even helps our mental health. And I wanna share this statement from one of the researchers, and I want to quote it to you because I want you to hear what they said. This is what, what, what one researcher said. He said, measurable decreases in depression, anxiety, chronic pain, and even post-traumatic stress have been identified and can be traced back to one daily action, worship. Worship is good for your mental health. It'll help you get better in your life. But not only does it help us physically, it helps us spiritually. For you see, worship spiritually is both a weapon and an act of war. An act of war. Worship is a weapon against worry. Why? Because you can't worship and worry at the same time. You can't focus on the problems that are in front of you in your life and focus on the goodness of God. You can't focus on the struggles of your life and focus on the Savior who gave you his grace. You can't focus on both of those things at the same time. So when you worry, you don't have the cognitive space to worship and the vice versa. When you worship, you don't have the cognitive space to worry either. So here's my challenge. I want you to worry less and worship more. I want you to pray more and panic less, worship more and worry less. It'll help you in your life. It's also an act of war. When we worship, it's an act of war. Why? Because when we worship, we invite the king to step into our circumstances and Jesus has never lost a battle. And when we invite him into the moment, he will win the battle that we're facing. Some of us are facing battles day after day, week after week, month after month. And the problem is we're trying to fight a spiritual battle physically in our own strength. All we have to do is invite Jesus to the fight and he'll win the fight. For you see, not only will he show up, but he'll bring all of heaven's armies to bear in that moment. And God will fight for you. He will fight with you. He'll give you exactly what you need. He'll put a covering of protection over you and your family and your business and your future. All you have to do is say, Jesus, come to the fight. God, show up in this moment. I need you. I can't win this fight by myself, but I know you can because you've already won the victory. 
So in just a moment, I'm gonna give us an opportunity for us to boldly declare the goodness of God, to say that he's holy, that he's good, that he's faithful, that he's kind, that he's thoughtful, that he gives his goodness to us, that he is all-knowing, that he's all-powerful, that not only is he the lion, but he's also the lamb. Not only is he the light that shines in the darkness, but he's the way, the truth, and the life, and that he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and he is the one who reigns over all things for all eternity, and we're gonna lift up the name of Jesus in just a moment moment and I want you to come with great expectation and say God I'm willing to give you my very best because I want to see you move the third way that we can give God our very best is to teach the next generation to worship say it with me teach the next generation to worship I think it's important for us to teach the next generation how to be responsible and respectful and how to be successful in life but I think we as believers, we miss an opportunity, the most important opportunity to teach the next generation how to worship. Because the world that we live in, if they don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and know how to lift him up, regardless where they're at, they're not gonna make it. It's not good enough for us to just know how to worship. We must teach the next generation how to worship. This is our charge, church. They need to see us worship. They need to see us pray. They need to see us read the Bible. Not just when we're here, but when we're at home. For you see, kids follow what we model. Kids follow what we model. And this is what the writer of Psalms 100 is saying in verse five. For the Lord is good and his faithfulness continues through all generations. That word continues is on us. We need to make sure that the next generations that come after us, should the Lord tarry and not show up, we need to make sure that they know who God is and the power that he has and what he can do to transform lives. The way we do that is through worship and through prayer and through fasting. Say, God, would you move again in the next generation? Maybe some of you need to whisper that. Whisper the names of your kids or your grandkids even now. God, move in them. God, move in them right now. Move in Aiden, move in Alexis, move in the children and the students of the families here. God, move in them and empower us to teach them how to worship. As I was preparing this message, I was reminded of a story in 2 Chronicles 20. Some of you know it. The nation of Israel was facing a war from three other nations. And the king at the time, Jehoshaphat, was overwhelmed. And he went before God, he said, God, if you don't show up, we're not gonna make it. And so he said, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna gather together, we're gonna pray and we're gonna fast. And that meant the leaders, that meant the fathers and the mothers, even the kids and the teenagers, everybody gathered together to pray and to fast, to seek God. And Jehoshaphat said, Maybe, just maybe, if we pray and fast, God will spare us. And while they were praying and fasting, one of the prophets came up and said a message from God. He said, if you're willing to seek me first, I will fight for you. I will go ahead of you and win the battle for you. I want you to read what happens. God wins the battle for them, but before he does, what Jehoshaphat does as the leader is he deputizes the leaders 
to be worshipers to go in front of the army. Now that doesn't make a whole lot, a lot of sense for those of you who've been in the military. To send worshipers in front of an army, that doesn't make sense. But in this moment, that's exactly what was needed in that moment. There needed to be people who are lifting up the name of Jesus because the battle was not physical, it was spiritual. Because there were people, leaders, who are willing to worship God the battle was won. I want, I want to read to you verses 21 and 22. This is what it says. So the men sang, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the armies who were invading Judah and they were defeated. All because there were people who were willing to step up and worship. The next generation needs to know how to worship God. In fact, that's why I'm calling all of us as a church to a week of prayer and fasting and worship starting on Monday. So tomorrow, starting on Monday, let's step into a week of worship and prayer and fasting. And maybe, just maybe, God will move powerfully. In fact, I believe that if we do, he will because God inhabits the praises of his people. And so we're gonna start right now. We're gonna start by worshiping the king. And I wanna share this as you stand with me right now as I close. I wanna share this one verse with you. It's from Psalm 78, verse four. It says this, we will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his powers and the wonders he has done. We have a responsibility to tell the next generation of the power of God, how he saved us from cancer, how he saved us from divorce, how he saved us from a car wreck, how he saved us from bankruptcy, how he saved us, how he saved us, how he saved us. They need to know that God is good and that he is faithful. In fact, as I was preparing for this moment, this thing in my heart, there's some of you who have walked for decades with the king. And you know Jesus. And this moment of worship is for you. In just a moment, I'm gonna invite you to come up to the front. Those of you who have known Jesus for a long time, those of you who are praying for a grandson or a grandchild or maybe even a child, you're interceding. But if you are a believer and you've known Jesus for a long time, this altar call is for you because we need to be like those people back in that time who are willing to step up to the front and fight the battle spiritually. And this is a moment of intercession. I'm inviting you to come. And so I'm gonna pray. And as I pray, I'm gonna invite you to come up and worship. So if you're part of our staff, or maybe you're part of our deacons and deaconesses, maybe if you're part of our COA, our council, if you've been a seasoned saint for a long time, this is our moment to respond and teach the next generation about how to worship. Let's go before the Lord and invite him in. Every head, every, every head bowed and every eye closed. Jesus, we come to you in this moment and we welcome you in this moment. We choose today to teach the next generation about how to worship you. And Lord, you're welcome in this place. You're welcome in our hearts. And God, I ask that you take us as feeble living stones and that you'd put us together so that we can be a throne that you can sit upon, God. Create an altar in our life and in this moment, God. We welcome you. 
Lord, to move in our midst, God. Holy Spirit, move right now. We invite you, Holy Spirit. We invite you, Holy Spirit. If you're a spirit-filled believer, can I just invite you to pray in the Spirit? Pray out loud. Let's teach the next generation about what it's like to live a spirit-filled life. Oh, Jesus, we need you. Lord, we welcome you into this moment. Lord, we welcome you into this moment. Would you move again in our midst? Would you move in our hearts? Would you move in the next generation? And we beseech you, God, we intercede for them, God, for the future that you have for them, God. May there be people who come to faith in Jesus Christ, God, because of our faithfulness to you. God, we choose to pray to you. God, we choose to fast. God, we choose to worship you because you're high and lifted up. And right now, we ask that you would build an altar and that you'd build a throne out of our worship, God. We need you today, Jesus. Just lift up the name of the Lord. God, we worship you. God, we worship you. In Acts 2, it tells us that believers were filled with the infilling of the Spirit and they spoke in a heavenly tongue. And that's what we're doing right now. We're speaking in a heavenly tongue. We're beseeching the King. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We lift you up, God. We worship you. We press in. God, move in your people. Move in your people. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship together.